Okay, do you guys also have parrots? Because I, I definitely heard a help me in there. Do you have yeah, parrots, have maybe? All, all manner of fowl. All, if it flies, if it is a bird, we, we may sell it. That is not what fowl means. From Momland Productions and Facade Media, this is Are We Sure This Is Good? with Rob Derland and Tim Mom. Welcome to Are We Sure This Is Good? I am Tim, and with me as always is Rob, Chase, Derlin. Say hey to everybody, Rob. Hey, everybody. Rob's here. Rob is here. Ready to do the stuff that Rob does best. Rob stuff. The stuff you, stuff you came for, and mm-hmm. I do appreciate you coming. We really that do. Is, Thank you for yeah. listening. So, hey, this is Are We Sure This Is Good, a show where we talk about and ask questions about things that are good. Sometimes. Yeah, sometimes things things turn out bad. bad. Yeah, a lot of things turn out bad. Anything under a microscope, you know, it's like that whole milkshake duck uh, meme on the on the Twitters. Yeah, milkshake duck. I don't. What's that one? What's the milkshake duck? The overall joke is that like anything cute on the internet will eventually turn bad because people will start examining the cute thing. Oh, so the, the joke is like, hey, there was a duck that walked up and just drank a milkshake. I was like, oh, milkshake duck, and like took over Twitter. It was like two hours later. We regret to inform you, Milkshake Duck is a racist. Oh, nuts. So Milkshake Duck's become shorthand for something fun being ruined because we learned that they are terrible. Or it is terrible. Yeah, they did. They're the ones doing the ruining because mm-hmm. um, they suck. Milkshake Duck. Looking at you, Milkshake Duck. So, you racist piece of shit. Yes. Some things, I guess, are a racist duck. And other things are racist duck you don't know is racist yet. So there you go. There you go. <laughs> That's pretty much it. This week. You got, bad, you got bad stuff and stuff that you don't know is bad yet. Oh Just my. kidding. Life is great. Go out and retrieve your dreams. Speaking of. Speaking of. <laughs> oh, real quick. Off your nihilistic rant. My son, who is five, looked at me the other day and he said, I never want to be dead again. I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, I'm five and a half. So five and a half years ago, I wasn't here. And I don't want to ever do that again. I was like, that's a really cool way to look at things. But it's also terrifying that you're having these thoughts already. Like he's got some deep stuff going on in there. He's got like existential dread at age five. Awesome. I know. It's deep. He also has slow. He's really, really close to figuring out Santa's not real. Because Uh in Disney movies, every white haired character dies. And he's like, well, if Santa has white hair, how come he never dies? Uh-oh. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> is, you are clicking some thoughts together like Legos over there, my man. <laughs> so that's that's been a treat. Anyway, this week, hey, on Are We Sure This Is Good, we're talking about what we want to be when we grow up. That question yeah. generally. Uh, so we're going to start off with some follow-up from last week. Talk about what's good this week. Uh, just a couple things that we both want to chat about real quick. Then we're going to play a little game that we call Pitch Me With Your Best Shot. And we're gonna oh well we didn't we didn't pick which pitch we're gonna do. Anyway, you'll find out. We're gonna we're gonna pitch different movies that have to do I with it was the same movie. Like it was A and then also B. Oh, they're the same thing in your head? Yes. Excellent. We're gonna have some disagreements uh on that segment, so that'll be fun. If I cut this or not. <laughs> or not. You never know with Rob. You never know. I never know. 
Then we're going to so talk about the, the question generally, what I want to be when I grow up. Is that a bad question for kids? What do we want to be? We still have some time left on, on this earth to, to be something else when we grow up. For sure. <laughs> and then we're going to play Problem. a game called Just the Tidbits, oh, which yeah. is <laughs> Rob's new game. Well, we find helpful articles on the internet and um, yeah, we talk, we about, we talk their, about them. Yeah, we talk about them. We put those under a microscope and you know what that microscope says? More the, investigation warranted. It's not a very decisive microscope. Microscope go, oops, microscopes aren't there to help you make decisions, you idiot. You just <laughs> look at stuff. Yeah. Sorry, I called you idiot listener. I wasn't talking to you. I was talking to the person behind you. Colloquially. So, yeah. Yeah. You know. So what's what's following up? So follow up from last week. Uh, first, uh, we've been watching Loki, which is a great show. So, hey, this segment's going to have some spoilers for Loki. Skip ahead like a good two, three minutes if you haven't watched this week's episode of Loki. I caught up. I watched episode three and four. So oh I'm good to talk. I love what they did in four. I think they're really, uh, I don't know what the word, I know it's cliche, but I think they're really swinging for the fences. Like they're trying new things. They're messing with it kind of, they're messing with tropes and leaning into them and then countering them. Like they had an episode, like you said, that it felt like a procedural, but by the end of it, they've blown up the police procedural and they have an episode that feels like one thing and like a, kind yes. of like a romantic comedy or a heist movie with a rom-com bent and then that blew up by the end. Like none of it worked, which kind of makes sense when you think about the Rick and Morty DNA, because the the one guy, the head writer of the show came from Rick and Morty and they tend to do high concept stuff for one episode, one episode only, and then and then move on. So I think some of that might might be the, the Rick and Morty background sprinkled in where he's playing with these different genres of TV, which is very in the Dan Harmon coaching tree. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I uh, I will have to agree with you there, sir. I do see that they mess with things more and more each episode. And I was just going to say something like that, but you said it better and in, with words that make sense. I was, yeah, it's crazy. What what Every is the, episode, your, your note here? What does that mean? Oh, hey, yeah. Uh, well, I I just noticed that somebody said, let's do the thing from Last Jedi, the throne room fight scene because they did that exact same scene in episode four <laughs> you think that was the pitch do the throne room thing scene from last jedi well it was at least an homage you can't it was the exact they threw they threw a sword and everything nice i, really I don't know did. no man I, I either either it was an homage or a really messed up accident but it seems like it was on purpose i don't know why you would do that and it not be on purpose that'd be weird yeah with the sword throwing <laughs> and fighting the guards and then fighting the bigger bad and chopping a head off. Yeah, the whole that whole thing was kind of... Like beat for whole, beat. Oh, my God. It was like a glass-shattering moment for me. I hadn't put that together. Oh, well, I mean, I, they, I, I assume they have permission. Uh, they're all under that big tent. That big D tent. Mm-hmm. You want to dabble? You want to take a little bit of the Star Wars sauce for your Loki juice? Mm-hmm. Here, take some. They're Listen. already doing it with the Simpsons. There's a Simpsons short about Loki. <laughs> because Disney owns everything. So... Yeah, it's a big family. Take what you want. Mix wow. and match. But it does look, uh, looks like, yeah, I have no idea what's going to happen in episodes five and six, which is a great, great feeling going into the, the last third of the show. It looks like there is a limbo area. It looks like there's more Lokis. looks like every character that we've seen pruned didn't die and got sent somewhere. And so that's, that's exciting. Well, once again, we, well, you start, you started out not understanding anything mm -hmm. and that's exactly where you're at now. Yes. 
nothing about anything was anything. <laughs> the TVA is some sort of front for robots? I don't know. We don't know. Uh, something uh, It's probably something more complicated and weird than that. Because it, it has been more complicated than weird every time. Yes. It's hard to predict. <laughs> it's like at the end of The Wizard of Oz, if you pulled back the curtain and it was another witch... And behind her was another curtain, and it just kept going. Yeah, but that curtain was made out of octopi, uh, and instead of opening the curtain, you had to have a different conversation with each octopi, and that's how the curtain opened, but it was in a different dimension where you crawled in the octopus's the octopi's mouth, and then that's a different curtain, mm-hmm. and now you have to do the same thing backwards, uh, but also mus- like it's a musical now. It's like that. It's not just yeah. curtains. It's like... What'd you do with these curtains? They're not curtains anymore. Please help me. I'm in an octopus. That's what it's like. And you're also traveling it feels like. through time. <laughs> Back and forth. That's crazy. That's crazy stuff. Getting pretty nuts. I tell you. I am enjoying the, the rampant use of Al's time door from Quantum Leap. That is <laughs> like straight up sa- another homage. That's like, yeah, we're taking that. We're taking Al's door and we're going to take the throne room scene and we're going to just keep going. <laughs> Yeah, they don't really have permission for that. I don't know how much. Probably isn't. It's just a door that opens, but it is very similar. But very, very similar. I do like. I like the noise it makes. It's like that's that's one of the things. House door made a noise, and it opened top to bottom, or bottom to top. I mean, yeah, like it was sliding up. Yeah, that's so cool. That's what we think of Loki. I mean, that's what we think of Loki so far. Do you have more Loki thoughts? I have no more Loki thoughts. I did want to say the other follow-up thing I have is to welcome our new listeners. Uh, I have a couple new listeners out there. So, hey, welcome. Please tell people about the podcast. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, wherever you get podcasts. The rates and reviews really do help new podcasts. They help you chart and they help other people find you in searches. So, reach out on Twitter email if there's anything you want to talk to us about. Uh, We're A-W-S-T-I-G on Twitter. And are we sure this is good at gmail.com. But, hey. Welcome to the Are We Sure This Is Good podcast. Yeah, hey. Hey. It's cool that you're here and listening. That's real cool. That sounds like fun. How are you doing? Oh, wow. That's interesting. Oh, what? That's great. You're so funny. Oh, my gosh. Very oh charming, my listeners. I love you. I love you. Please, don't go anywhere. I want to keep talking to you. But first, Tim, we got to get into uh, what's good this week. Yes. Right. You, shut up. All right, we're done with you. This is not a you thing anymore. I'm sorry. You are. I love you. Okay, stop. All right. I mean, this is, you are a listener. You need to give us some space. Yeah. You, okay. Thank you. I'm sorry. Chill Please. Out. Okay. Okay. We're gonna mute What's, their mic. I'm. You know, I've done it. I muted their mic. This is this is good for your own good. You're gonna like this better. I promise. Yeah. Anyway, Tim. What's good this week? For what's good this week, I have a, like a quasi-serious one. I'm uh, I'm dialing back the booze uh, a bit. Yeah, which is that's good. good. I think it's always good to check in with your uh, your relationship with alcohol. Uh, how much you're drinking? Are you drinking too much? What situations are you drinking in? Like you know, never you know if you're feeling really sad and depressed and lonely, definitely don't drink in those situations. That's that's yeah. definitely been a personal rule of mine for a long time. Like, hey, I'm feeling really bad, really want to drink. Definitely don't drink then. That's like the absolute worst time. But then a lot of it just became not necessarily an emotional problem, like just a habit problem for me where I'm like coming home from work when I still had a jobby job. 
And like the habit of just crack it open a beer right when you walk in the door and then you can have a beer with dinner and then a beer once the kids are in bed. And now you're at, you're at three beers just on like a Tuesday. You're like, okay, you do that too many times in a row and you're at like 30 drinks a, a week. That's that's a lot. So it adds up and I, I've been making a conscious effort to dial it back and I kind of plateaued at this new level. And it's like, hey, let's let's make another level, conscious effort to dial it back even even further. Yeah. I've also been trying to do more writing uh, for the website and uh, just some writing for other projects that I'm working on. And I think that uh, this is so cheesy and I apologize in advance, but there's, there's a Matthew McConaughey like speech where he's giving a, a, it's a graduation speech, I think. Like he was the commencement speaker for, for university, but he talks about himself, sort of, not in a movie. No, this is a real, this is yeah. Okay. Actual Matthew McConaughey, but in his, his commencement speech, he's like, when you're defining what you are first, you have to get rid of all the things you are not, or get rid of all the things that you don't want to be. And writing while drinking really, really doesn't work for me. And writing hungover definitely doesn't work. I can't imagine it works for, for anybody. So like, as I'm trying to write more and do more creative things, it's like, Hey, this is, as I redefine myself as a writer, I want to get rid of all the things, uh, that are not helping me become that new version of myself. I haven't met the new me yet, as Taylor Swift says, but you know, I'm excited to. Awesome. Yeah. That's but, awesome. There's a lot of basic pop culture references in there. But yeah. That's yeah, what I'm working you... on. That's what's good this week is uh yeah, a lot less alcohol um in my in my weekly life. I won't say daily life, because yeah, you you definitely want to not have alcohol in your daily life. I think that's oh, a hard hey. and fast for me anyway. Well, teach their own. You can do it healthily daily if yeah, you have can. a glass of wine. But that's the thing. Do I don't. That. I can't remember. And this is yeah. This is a little personal, but I can't remember the last time I had one drink. I a lot of people. A lot of people dealing with that these days. Yeah, and so it's like you know, if you're not going to have one, you're going to have two or three. Then like you really need to pick your moments, and they shouldn't be every day, at least for me. So that's that's what I'm working on this week, and it has been a good week for that. And that's what's good this week over here in Timland. Well, welcome, brother, to the club. I don't know. I've been doing that for a while myself, but not to steal your thing, but yeah, it's good. No, it's good to meet other people that are, I don't, there's a phrase, like sober curious is a phrase that's like bouncing around on the internet. I Googled around a little bit for other people. You, know, <laughs> you always want to find more people, find like a little mini tribe of people that are going through what you're going through. But I know the internet's such a phenomenal tool to spread misinformation and hatred and it's terrible, but it is also so great to not feel alone when you're dealing with something really specific and to talk to other people. So a lot of times, yeah, the internet can be good. There's hope in well, the world. There's a lot of different things in it too, I think. It's like the whole cultural thing of like the guy who, like you said, comes home and drinks. And then that's, that's like a part of the American dream almost is being that guy. You get to just be a dick until you go to bed and then wake up and go to work. Yeah. And a lot of people are. <laughs> and the, I think the one thing a lot of people are doing lately is moving away from the way things were set up. And like examining that and like, why am I drinking after work every day? It doesn't make, it just makes me shitty. And then <laughs> I wake up shitty mm -hmm. and then I feel shitty all day until I drink. <laughs> well, and it also messes with your sleep. For like sure. a ton. And so, yeah, now it, it has cascading effects yeah, into the personal <laughs> life. But no, I think alcohol culture is huge. And it's weird. Like you can make fun of, I remember making fun of uh, marijuana smokers because of like how much stuff you need to smoke weed, like the different bongs and different pipes and all these different <laughs> things that they had, like really committing to weed culture. 
And then I looked around my house at all the different things I have to make different cocktails, like a martini shaker and a strainer and a special spoon and an ice cube tray, silicon mold for giant ice cubes and nine different kinds of whiskey. So I have nine bottles and we haven't even gotten into other liquor yet. I just have nine bottles of whiskey. (laughs) And then, you know, I have vodka and gin. Like I have a little bar, I have, you know, and I have a little citrus peeler so I can do twists and I have apps on my phone with cocktail. Like I have no business. It was such a a stupid ass high horse to be on to think that their culture around the drug, their drug of choice was somehow worse than the culture of around my drug of choice. But I was so used to alcohol culture you don't really see it. You're just walking around. And plus, I owned a bar at one point. And so, like, then you're just walking around all day. You can have a have a beer at the end of the night while you're doing the numbers and while you're doing payroll and while you're cleaning up. Like, we would lock the doors and you could grab a beer. And that was a thing. But you, you know, really don't this- see it. It was really eye-opening, like, being questioning myself on that. So, yeah. It's well, gotten oddly more- deep. But anyway, it is a good thing. I am dialing it back and I feel good about it. I'm sleeping better. All good things. It's just such a bummer. It does, this is more evidence that this might be one of the darker timelines, Tim, or, or versions of the simulation, that this version or timeline got alcohol as a legal drug. That's probably the worst one. It kind of sucks. It feels good for like an hour, mm-hmm. and then like the next day is ruined. Yeah, so you really are like, stealing from your future quite a bit just to have a few drinks with, there are with way, friends. There are way cooler things that should be legal instead that like... You still feel <laughs> cool, and then like they don't ruin your next day. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's some, some. There's a lot of things out there that are way worse. I'm mostly speaking of marijuana, uh, not heroin or um, meth. But yeah, we're gonna we're gonna maintain this podcast is staunchly anti-heroin and anti-meth. Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty down on alcohol. <laughs> you know, just while we're at. It. Well, I just uh, I just think that is this is a bad decision i wonder because like that's the that's the that's our that's the american drug alcohol kind of right yeah and you can see like the way it like shifted the way pop culture and roles are and like everything is kind of like look at the way mad men are and the the people of that era and how like severe some of the the gender roles and culture and just like masculinity and how much of that is just like because alcohol is like yeah alcohol is the centerpiece yeah well, part of it, because alcohol is this like big bro drug that makes you stupid, mm-hmm. and like it makes it enhances like your toxicity is like mas- like your max masculine shit. So, like, and people in those days were drunk all the time. I just think if there was a different American drug, things would be speaking better, as a probably. as a former attorney. People these days are uh, drunk a lot of the time. <laughs> I'll tell you that. There are other drugs out there that just are. Not, but I just don't have a lot of that negative, I don't know, aura to, feelings to them. A lot, I just think alcohol is just a bad one. So, yeah, I, I applaud you. And I don't know, I used to drink a lot too. And I don't know why I did. It's not very fun. It sucks. Yeah. So. Well, it just became this thing like you were excited to do it because of the drinking age. So, like when you turn yeah. 21, it's like this gateway opens and you're like, yeah, we can drink. We can drink all the time. We're going to have fun. We're going to throw giant parties and do all these things. And then, yeah, then it, it follows you, though, into your professional life where you're getting drinks and talking to people and meeting people. And there's this whole social element built around it where you're grabbing drinks after work with so-and-so and meeting so-and-so at this other company because they might want to hire you. And so, like, to move your professional life forward, you're drinking all the time. And then if you own a bar, 
you're drinking a lot because not just because it's always available the availability the availability of it is definitely part of it but like people walk in just to pitch you on a new alcohol and there's constantly new alcohol coming out and so they're like hey this is this is this whiskey from this place and then you do a tasting and so now it's you know wednesday at 11 30 a.m and you're trying three different whiskeys and you you know you on an empty stomach and so like a lot of that's not good and then you get to feeling good and then you're gonna have a beer with lunch and now you've had a beer with lunch and now you're off at three and you're gonna go have a beer because it's happy hour and then you're gonna go home like it just it it escalates and snowballs so quickly but yeah i'm definitely not the the red wine at dinner person that's so if i were maybe i would have much less of a problem with it but anyway hey let's let's put a pin in this what's good this week for you we've been talking about this for a while uh, I got a new little toy. I put it on Twitter. It's called the Artathon Orba. Yeah, what and is I that do- thing? I saw the video, but I don't understand what's what's going on there. Oh, it's a little drum machine, looper, synthesizer, and all in uh, that little puck. Yeah, and so you got you can do drums, you do bass line, you can do like chords, and then there's a lead, so you can do like a whole little song. Just a little, it's got speakers in it, so it's pretty loud. So it's pretty neat. So it's a little music thing. It's fun. That sounds awesome. Just, yeah. What made you want to get that? I saw an ad on Facebook. <laughs> they know they know me, those algorithms. <laughs> I'll tell you. They really, they really know old Rob. So, yeah, I saw it on Facebook. And then also uh, part of the thoughts that are constant. A lot of the, I don't know, I have music in my head all the time. And cool. not just songs I hear. Just like ideas for songs. That's probably common, but they're really loud and they're there all the time. So it's nice to just like have a thing you can pull out and like get it out of your head. So that's nice. It's just fun to be creative with it. So that's it. That's it. It's this little thing. It's $100. Can I ask us, what was the time period between you seeing the ad and you buying it? Oh, uh, maybe a year or more. I've seen I've seen ad for them for a long time. Oh, okay. I didn't know if this was like yes, and you bought it like in thirty seconds or something. Well, this time it was because it was on sale. It came with a free carrying case, and I was like, "Well, dang, I really wanted it." It's got a free case. So that's got a free case. So yeah. All right. Okay, that was what was good this week. Now it's time for everyone's favorite game about making up a movie. It's called Pitch Me With Your Best Shot. And you know what, Tim? Those Benatar people can burn in hell. I'm going to say it all I want. It's been a tumultuous battle with their legal team. Mm -hmm. But fuck them. You know what? That's one of of the songs that's built into America's DNA. Yeah. So maybe, yeah. I want to be clear if their legal team ever does reach out, we're going to stop calling it that immediately. (laughs) Yes, but I like your yes. moxie. Oh yeah, I do. I think you're pro- you're probably great people. Pat Benatar, what a lady! Right? I mean, I I know next to zero about her other than she wrote that song. But I'm sure she's great. Mm-hmm. Might cut that. <laughs> it's up to you. Well, if I find if I find out she's an actual racist, I will cut it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be on the wrong side. See, it's the milkshake duck problem. You've put that into my head. Mm-hmm. So, All right. prompt, so what's the prompts? Pitch me with your best shot. So to, uh, this week's topic is what we want to be when we grow up. So to pitch me with your best shot, we do like a coming of age movie with an M. Night Shyamalan style twist. So someone is coming of age. They are figuring out what they want to be when they grow up. But 
Maybe they're dead the whole time or something. Or trees are trying to kill them. Okay. Okay. Well, and then the next thing down you had was teen with their first job, but mm-hmm. the job is a blank. And I thought those two things were part of the same prompt. So I combined them. I was giving you options. Okay. Like, hey, the the pitch could be a coming-of-age movie with an M. Night Shyamalan twist, or like one of those classic teen first job movies like Adventureland. Uh, but the job is as a and then something. Okay. Something interesting. All right. You go first. My mine is called Dream Job. And I, see, I always forget to title mine. And then you say okay. your title right away, and I'm like, <laughs> fuck. It's a, it's about a, a teen uh, who goes to what looks like like some old fashioned like Dairy Queen looking place to look for a job for the summer. Okay, and then they get a job there, but then they find out that this there's no customers in here to get food. They're all here to uh, get dreams, and then they work there as a dream weaver now. And they they want young fresh minds because it drains you. And then you, after you get drained, you get over, you get sent over to make nightmares. Cool. So that's what I got so far. That's got, okay. So here's, I'm going to give you my first pitch because it's very similar. Okay. I have a, a kid uh, is developing a sense of purpose and identity in, in their high school years. You know, they're, they're coming of age a little bit. Uh, but while they sleep, it's siphoned out of them. By uh, an evil corporation. So they wake up not knowing what they want to do with their lives and not having a sense of purpose or like a, a disruptive idea to to go make their mark on the world with. It's completely gone. But this kid keeps developing more and they keep siphoning them off. Gets siphoned off to build an algorithm for a social network, probably. I would bet. Yeah. Something nefarious. The other one I had was like a startup spy where a kid is just hired to go sit in a coffee shop and listen for really good ideas that people can't actually afford to try and report them back to a venture capitalist. That's awesome. I love that. You and could then, make that movie. That would be, yeah, there's like no special effects in that movie. That could just be a fun, low budget. Yeah. And then that person starts like teaming up with the people that they're stealing from mm-hmm. to take down, to take them, to take the first bunch of people down yeah or they don't and it's like a godfather oh. style descent into the darkness they, oh yeah or they don't and they make their own bigger company to take over the first company and kill everyone there oh my god and set that building on fire mm-hmm. and then use the charred remains to make charred remains smelling candles and that becomes a billion dollar business it'd be a really creepy business <laughs> to be a billion dollar business i wonder what the candle market looks like these days people people are inside a lot smelling in the same old place and be like this place mm-hmm. smells like depression i really wish it smelled like coconuts up in here or mm-hmm. some shit or i'm a i'm a woodwick man myself i like the woodwicks have you ever had those Just, i know they crackle they crackle like that, that's a pleasing asmr sort of mm-hmm. thing for you it, or it can be I don't know if I like it. I don't I'm, think I, I'm, I'm not a I big it. fan of firecracker. You like it? This is good. Yes. Do they, does the, does the wood wick affect the scent? Well, it is wood, so there's like usually wood mixed in with whatever scent your candle is. But like I get the wood smoke candle. Oh, so it's just wood smoke on wood smoke. So you don't get like cotton candy and also burnt wood. Correct. Most of the, I think uh, most of the wood wick scents yeah are fairly like earthy, like sage and. Ooh. Maybe some citrus here and there, but like it's mostly 
cool you stuff can mess like around. that. You can mess around with some citrus with your wood, burnt wood. Yeah. Smell. You weave it all in there. Some spices. Yeah. yeah. Like a, a good mold cider from the holidays. Oh, yeah. That anyway, mold not, cider. Not this has anything to do with our movies. We should, we should reel this back in. This is a bird walk. <laughs> I like birds. And walk. <laughs> That was that was pitching with your best shot, or that's is, is there anything else to say there, Tim? I'm trying to think. I, I like your idea. I like the Dreamweaver idea that you have to build dreams and that's your job. And then when you get burnt out, you have to go just make like apathetic nightmares. nightmares. Yeah, I don't know. I think that'd be nuts. <sighs> yes, taking taking away Ooh, all your good brain juice. I have an idea. We can meld our ideas. So yes, the dream job. The, the, it's an internship or something and it's just a mindless, mindless job, like filing something over and over and over. Yeah. So as to get the, the employee to daydream and the employee doesn't oh, no. know that their daydreams are being siphoned off, but they're given such menial tasks and their brain is so bored that it keeps coming up with these things to entertain him. And then the, the company secretly siphons them off and then we can merge our two. Oh, yeah, because they're given like fancy Google Glass headsets Mm -hmm. to help them with their job. But those headsets make their job even more boring. Yes. And then collect collect their cool daydreams. Yes. And harvest those for ideas. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. I love it. Somebody make it. Print it. You know, nobody's made any of these ideas yet. That's weird. It's been like four or five weeks. You'd think that one of them would be made by now. Let's fast track this production. I mean. We should talk to Chad at Netflix. Remember Chad? Yeah. He's a good guy. Good guy. Uh, those are both, those are some good movies. Please make them. Why aren't you doing it? Maybe an anthology series, like a limited, a limited 10 episode series where dreams are stolen mm-hmm. from, from the youths. Yeah. Amazon, we're here. I know you just bought Smartless with mm-hmm. Will Arnett, Jason Bateman, and Sean Hayes. There's only two of us and we're not famous. Yeah, but you can get us and all our ideas yeah, for Amazon super cheap. Podcast, yeah, for eighty million dollars. So all right. there's only you can get two of us for less than half of that for sure, and you can have all our movie ideas. Amazon, mm-hmm. just putting that out there. Okay, okay. Am I as they famous as Jason Bateman? Oh, forever, okay. like in perpetuity. What if I have a good one? What if they gave you eighty million dollars? If they gave me eighty million dollars, that'd be different. <laughs> That's enough. That's fine. It's fine. Sure. <laughs> which is kind of, what we're ta- kind of what we're talking about today, which is what do you want to be when you grow up? Mm. But uh, before we really get into that, it's time to mix it up a bit and bring something forward a step and talk about just the tidbits. And this, if you're, if you're a new listener or if you uh, skipped out on the last episode... Cool, by the way. Thanks. Thank you. We just put a lot of time in that, but that's cool. Well, you do what you need to do. You need to skip. You need to skip. I understand. It's fine. It's okay. You're looking at all the episodes. You you pick one that you want to listen to that day. It's okay. Fine. It's fine. Don't be so don't be so passive aggressive. Leave the okay. listeners alone. Okay. I did. I did mute them. They could. I guess I should. Well, they had that throw comment. Some that's not passive aggressive. That's aggressive aggressive. Shut yeah. up. Yeah. Anyway, this is a, this is some. We've wrangled up some helpful tips throughout the internet, and we're going to read them to you, some of them, and then talk about them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's, there's, there's some really good articles out there. Um, 10 ways to find your dream job. Uh, top of the list here. This is going to really blow some minds. Uh-huh. This is going to really make some days. Get ready. Find your dream. F- ready? Yeah, sorry. Find I stepped your, on it. Shut up. I'm sorry. Jesus. 
listening. Mm-hmm. You don't you can't tell probably by listening, but Tim and I barely talk outside of the podcast anymore. The fame has gotten to us. We hate each other. We only we only talk through intermediaries I'm at this point. The, here for the paycheck. Yeah. So just looking at his face is it's making me want to punch my computer screen. Um Do yeah, it. but you can but, <laughs> But I'm going to put, I'm going to walk, walk past that for you, listener, mm-hmm. and tell you the number one tip from Life Hack on how to find your dream job. How yeah, to find your dream job. Find your Rob number Jones. one. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. For real this time. Number one, find your dream job by focusing. Did really you think hard. of that? It's really hard not to not step on that. The idea here is taking something that you love. And focusing it into a career path. So, you know, what, like, what's something What's something you love, Tim? Anything. Uh, fizzy water. Okay. Have you tried focusing that love into a career path? You know, I honestly, I haven't. Yeah. So, mm. tell me about your career path as a fizzy waterist. Are you making it? Are you like... I just drink it a lot. Are you like a sommelier for fizzy water? Ooh, that'd be fun. Okay, do it. Make it focus. Mm-hmm. This feels kind of like the, the secret. S- step one, focus. Where you just manifest things by putting step it out into 10, the world. Step 10, you are a fizzy water sommelier. Today, you're not. What's tomorrow look like? Focusing, step one. apparently. Okay, focus. Yeah. Are you focused on fizzy water? I am. Okay, well, good, because I'm about to hit you with number two on this list. You're gonna, are Earn you going to read dr- all 10? <laughs> no, I'm just going to read them until I get bored or until you read one. <laughs> You want to read one? No. <laughs> Not yet. Earn your dream job because you can do it. Do you you can do it. You can do anything. I don't know who wrote this, but thank you. I, I'm gonna Jesus. read the paragraph under this one because it's great. By today's standards, a degree doesn't necessarily qualify you to do anything. Exclamation point. Just because you study programming in college doesn't mean you can program a VCR. Remember those? You shouldn't wait until you finish school to start doing what you love. Yeah, it doesn't really, none of that really means anything. So, yeah, that's kind of where we are. Get get an internship is next. Yeah. So, you need to find the places that are sommelier-ing fizzy waterists. Oh, we're staying with this. That's your dream job, Tim. You've locked in. Okay. What's yours? What do you Uh, want to focus on? This isn't about me. (laughs) (laughs) This isn't about me. All right, so I need to get an internship to gain experience in the soda industry. Uh, yes. How else are you going to do it until you do it for free? And then this is great. Find the job you want through confidence. Yeah. Yes. This is exactly what I'm saying. You can do it, Tim. You drink fizzy water. Mm-hmm. You are fizzy water. Walk in there with that attitude. Mm-hmm. And you will become a fizzy water sommelier at the best fizzy water restaurants in the universe. Sal's fizzy water experience on the corner of 18th and Grape in downtown La Vista, Nebraska. That's the place where the, where the people who know fizzy water mm-hmm. go to drink fizzy water. Am I right or wrong on that one? If those are my only two choices, I'm going to have to go with, with wrong <laughs> I apologize. <laughs> okay, Smarty, what do you got? What do you got? On on internet uh, tips, 
Yeah, I'll tell you my dream job then. Oh, hang on. 30 days to finding your dream job. Step one is get started. Step two is prepare you, to network. You idiot. Did you even start getting your dream job? Wait, hang on, hang on. Step one is get started, but step three is start your job hunt. This no, is no, already okay. great. No, 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 no. no. You, okay. Start the hunt is step three. You want to get started. You want to prepare your tools. This yep. is like a this is like a, a hunt thing. You need to get your spear oh, it sharpened. Says at the bottom here. Skip steps if they don't apply. So yeah, they they covered that. I just didn't oh, get okay. to the footnotes. If you are already hunting and you want a job, you can just keep hunting. Just stay there in the hunt. Keep the hunt going. Right? Skip it. You're gonna want to refresh your resume. Good. Okay. I'll get on that. <laughs> Create a branding statement. <laughs> What's your branding statement, Tim? I don't know what you a branding statement is yet. Let me read this. You don't need to know. You just need to know. I'll read the example. A detail-oriented okay. development assistant experienced in coordinating extensive fundraising efforts and drafting successful grant proposals. That's one of the most passive bullshit pieces of writing I've ever read in my entire life. <laughs> You can't Where have you nine. You can't have nine ings in one sentence. <laughs> ing, ing, that, oh God! Uh, this one also has volunteer to get valuable work experience. So you know, a lot of interning, a lot of volunteering, because everyone can afford yeah. to do that. Have you tried that? Walk into a place you want to work. Be like, I want a job, and then be like, here's the application, and be like, no, for free for a little bit. Yeah. Have you tried that? Make business cards so that they want you to spend money. You like got to spend crafts. money to make money. Like craft wise, that's what they said. Make not like get, not order, so make, not obtain. Yeah, you need some make is a very important word some, here. Some thick cardstock. You could probably print your own and then just cut them out by hand. I'm sure businesses would love that. I, it's been a, puffy paint that shit. That's gonna really stand out. Literally, this one says visit a career center. Is step thirteen? I thought I was just doing. Thought this was the career center. I thought I was following these lists. Build your employer target list. Oh, find yeah. contacts at your target companies. Oh, yeah. This isn't creepy at all. Okay. That's good. That's good. Find a place you want to work and just start befriending people who work there. No, it gets better than that. Conduct a cold call campaign to the places you want to work. That's good. Join a professional association. Spend more money. Attend a job fair. Probably more money. I like oh. this cold call campaign. This is good. Yeah, that one sounds intense. <laughs> Update your wardrobe. Wow, they're assuming that this jobless person has a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> what is it? Okay, what is a professional association anyway? Do they have one for Somali, for fizzy water sommeliers? Not yet. I'm going to make Uh-oh. one. And number, then... 20, number 26 is pretty crucial. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What is it, Tim? So on us. step 26 of 31 is do your research, which really feels like it should be step zero. <laughs> I thought that's what we were doing. <laughs> we're finding our dream job, man. We're living our bless. You were the research. Mm-hmm. You had one job to do article. So you got to buy, research. you're going to need to buy a bunch of new clothes. You're going to need to get business cards for a job that you don't have. Um, you're going to call these businesses and bother them and not go through human resources. Or, or make, the, friends, make friends with the people that work there. That's just creepy as hell. Get really into their life. And then, uh, and then work for free for a while. Start going in like you work there. Just start going in. This all Don't makes apply great for anything. Just get in there. If people do the, what, what, 
What is that actually in? That's in something. Hmm. Office space? Just pretend you work there until you get a paycheck? No, it's the other way around. They stopped giving out a paycheck. Yes. We fixed the glitch. <laughs> we try to avoid confrontation whenever possible. <laughs> well, there's some not helpful tips. I don't know that I have any actual helpful tips. Uh, I just got lucky with a good... I mean, I don't, I don't know if it's my dream job. It's a very good job that I like a lot. Yeah. Um, but I just got lucky and responded to an ad on Craigslist of all places over a decade ago. So I don't think that that applies anymore. Um, and I'm probably not a great resource. I don't know. Do you have anything real, Tim, to offer? Um, on getting a job? Yeah, I don't really. No. I'm not really good at it. <laughs> no, I think that's... Um, or getting your dream job, not just getting a job. No, I think if, if we're talking about what we want to be when we grow up, like in the, in the topic proper, I'm, I'm debating a segue here. How do we get do out it. of this and into the next thing? Get out of it. Sometimes it's not good. We're jumping Abandoned out of it. ship. Wait, wait. What? Can I come too? Yeah, you can come. All right. This is actually on fire here. Can I have a rope? <laughs> so I think that the problem that those articles highlight is the idea of, of a dream job. Okay. I don't know that it exists for a lot of people. What is it even supposed to be? Right. I, I think that's the problem. So I think when you ask kids, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? It's a terrible question because it implies like a monolithic life purpose. Like you have a singular purpose. It's kind of like the idea of a soulmate where you're going around searching for one person instead of putting in the work in that a relationship requires to build trust and love with with that person you're like oh we must i guess i'll just break up with them we must not have been soulmates and some relationships obviously should end and you should end them as soon as possible but uh, a lot of times i feel like that can be used as a crutch the 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 soulmate excuse and that feels like that that soulmate idea that keeps people from doing the work in their relationships feels like it it applies to job searching like oh this isn't my my dream job this isn't my passion this isn't my purpose so i guess i'll i'll just not do it so I think, yeah, the, the question implies that dream jobs, there's one job for you. There's a soulmate job. And I think that implication is not true. And I think it's going to make, it sets people up for, for failure because it creates these crazy expectations of what a job can, can be and how fulfilling it's going to be. Like even people that do life-saving work aren't always fulfilled by their jobs. Like the number of depressed alcoholic surgeons who just save people's lives all day. I think would be pretty telling. Like the stress that comes with all of those jobs is is crazy, and a lot of times that creates a whole negative side to to those high pressure situations. Anyway, I think it's a terrible question. I, I don't think it's great for kids. the The cute factor is hard to get away from though. Like listening to a kid say that they want to be a firefighter ballerina is one of the best things that's ever happened to me. I love talking to my kids about what they want to be later in life like hey what are you interested in what do you want to do we get a lot of astronauts a lot of space exploration See, and it is fun to yeah. talk about oh, yeah i used to want to be astronaut too for sure job would be that's a terrible job yeah it's not a good job i mean it's got a lot of prestige to it yeah but you are at the top of a roller coaster all day the part where your stomach Ooh. falls out that is your 24 7 existence on the space station it always feels like you're about to fall at the top of a roller coaster. Yeah. So there's there's that. Um, there's almost no space or privacy. There's no space. 
<laughs> in the space station. And literally almost anything you do can immediately kill you and everybody else. So there's that too. So it's not, why would you, why is that, why is that one of them that, do you want to be a fireman or an astronaut? Those are two way different things. Like yeah. being a fireman is hard, but it's not like 24 seven, you're in a tiny box that at any moment could kill you. Um, so, and it also, it's just a hard job. I, I wouldn't want it. No. no as right now, it sounds like a terrible... I don't want to do that. <laughs> Especially after seeing The Martian. Yeah. Or, scared the crap out of me. Or, or any of those movies. <laughs> so, I don't understand. Yeah, I don't understand the question at all. Yeah, I and I, I feel like it, it forces kids to think about themselves in terms of a career instead of, you know, like, I, I think... There's a spectrum between, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up and what makes you happy? And somewhere in the middle, you can find a fulfilling job that isn't going to tick all your boxes, maybe, but some of them. Uh, there is a good book about this. Cal Newport has a book called uh, So Good They Can't Ignore You, where he talks about developing uh, a passion instead of just thinking of it. So like, oh, I really love to to paint. I'm going to be a, a painter. And he compares that to like other uh we'll call them harder, hard science jobs, like a biologist who specializes in a certain area. And because she specialized in that area, she became the best at it. And so it became her passion because she was good at it. She didn't get good at it because it was her passion. So he kind of sure. flips the cart and the horse there. And it's like, now she's really, really enjoying her work because she knows she is in fact the best at it. And she be, has become passionate about staying the best. And so this pursuit of excellence and just kind of broadening her mind in the in that study of science, like built a passion within her that didn't exist before. It wasn't like she's like, you know what I really love? These specific kind of diseases. But that as she was learning in college and, and went to grad school and did these things, she found that she could excel in that area. And so by being really good at something, you can develop a passion for it. I think that's the crux of his argument in that book is... You can't just pick a passion like, hey, I love pie. That's that's really cool, but that might not there might not be a viable path forward there. And entrepreneurs talk about that a lot. Not that Mark Cuban is the paragon of all wisdom, but he's he's pretty good at being an entrepreneur and an investor. And when people talk to him about like getting started with a new job or pursuing a passion project, step like zero for him is always like, well, get a basic job that pays your bills and then work on other things. But it's always like, hey, make sure you've got your home taken care of and your life taken care of financially because you're never going to have the brain power to devote to anything fun or creative if you're constantly hustling and worried about like just keeping the lights on and keeping gas in your car. It's like you've got to cover those fundamentals and then you get room to grow once your fundamentals are covered and you're not constantly stressed out. Your brain is able to solve complex problems and come up with creative solutions to things and do all those other things. There's the rub, isn't it? Yeah. If only we could figure out a way to cover some of those needs people have. Ugh. It's like, yeah, it's hard to do what you want to do if you're uh, not eating food. That is a very good point, Mark Cuban. Appreciative there. It's very helpful. Make well, sure I you're think eating. he's worried about uh, that he's going to lead a bunch of young wannabe entrepreneurs off a cliff like lemmings when he's like, yeah, go invent something. So I think the the practical component he tries to put in there yeah. that is is decent. But yeah, if hey, if if all of a sudden people didn't have to worry about 
going bankrupt just because they broke their leg. I think that would probably be a step in the right direction if you want to help people. Well, I don't, invent yeah, new I don't things. think Mark Cuban would have to worry about so many people wanting to be entrepreneurs, which is not something I don't think many people should really necessarily want to be. Although it, it, it does, it is enticing. It really to make is a, yeah. to make a lot to feel like you can make a lot of money and have power over people uh, potentially. Uh, but that's because it feels like you're up against a wall of, well, I either got to make enough money to live and, you know, that's got to be my goal is to just make more and more money because that's the only realistic thing to do. Cause it's not realistic that I can be a pie taster. So I guess I will start a hedge fund. <laughs> there was some jumps in there, but I, <laughs> when you're starting out, um, when I was uh, trying to start a restaurant, Everyone told me to read a book called The E-Myth, which is actually a fantastic book and it is really short, but it kind of gets to some of what you were talking about where chasing your passion often ends up with you doing everything but the thing you're passionate about. And the canonical example in the book is like Martha likes pies. She really just loves making pies. She likes making fruit pies and cream pies, everything, just loves them. But when Martha opens a pie shop, the amount of time she actually gets to spend making pies plummets. Because yeah. she has a shop. You have to clean the shop. You have to staff the shop. So you're interviewing Duh. people, hiring them. You have payroll. You have taxes. You have all the stuff you have to do. You want to play fun music in your shop. You have to figure out music licensing for small businesses. Um, all these things. And so like the entrepreneurial myth that you get to do the thing you love once you start a business, uh, that's what they're trying to poke holes in. Like you're Maybe you just like making pies as a hobby. And your passionate pursuit of the perfect pie can be a really fun thing that you do. But trying to monetize that thing really can suck the joy out of the thing that you really, really like doing. Well, that's, uh, that's interesting. Two of the books you mentioned say the things you like to do are good, but you should really focus on uh, creating as much value for the economy as possible. <laughs> no, the image isn't about creating value. It's about like, hey, maybe you don't want to do a business. It's may, I think it's trying to caution you. Like, hey, okay. don't go open a pie shop. Maybe you just love pies and you should just sit in your house and eat pie. It's, it's like the opposite of that. That's okay. how I took it anyway. It was like, if you really love brewing your own beer, starting an actual brewery is this giant task that involves so many things that aren't brewing beer. All these regulatory things and you have to get a lease and build all these things and have all these employees and do all these things. They're like, hey, just if you have a passion, it might just be your passion. And that's great. But maybe you shouldn't monetize it because the myth that you'll just get to do this all day isn't isn't real. So I, I took it as as a non-capitalist thing. Gotcha. It, it wasn't like, hey, you must create value for the economy. It was like, hey, maybe, maybe don't. Yeah. I'm becoming more and more, this is so dumb, anti-work. <laughs> I just don't want to do anything. And there's a lot, that's a whole movement now because it all... Like, I don't know, just all kind of dumb, you know, like, like society or no working. Oh, okay. Well, like imagine a world with universal basic income, right? Like crazy liberal ideas, right? Mm -hmm. The guy who wants to make beer could just brew his own beer for himself and have that as a hobby and still do that as much as he liked and not have to worry about dying uh, or eating or having a place to live. And then he could be a happy guy. Just mind his own business, brewing a bunch of beer for himself. That sounds awesome. That sounds amazing. Why can't we do that? Because people don't want to. 
Some people don't want to. A couple people don't want to. And so we don't get to. And that sucks a lot, in my opinion. Sure. Um, but yeah, that's what I would like to do is just be like a Seth Rogen slash Jack Black where they are now, just having fun and, you know, being pretty decent people. <laughs> And doing just being happy. They seem like really happy people where they're especially Jack Black all the time. You see his silly videos. It's hard to imagine a lot of darkness underneath that right now where he's at sure. in life. I feel like you kind of <laughs> jump to the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow there, though. Like both of them yeah. create a lot of value with creative projects that are hugely capitalist driven with big investors. For sure. I know. All right. right. I just I, I would like to get there. I don't want to take any steps to get there. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm taking no questions. Thank you. <laughs> Like Seth Rogen just started a new company where he, it's like a mail delivery marijuana service. Yes. Yeah. That's, and he, yeah, but he's at he's the place where- He's actively an entrepreneur engaging in this new drug market. Well, no, he can start a business and not have to do this, the boring stuff. That's he can true. Just be like, it kind of gets to be the face, like the way Ryan Reynolds owns a gin company. Yes, exactly. Yes. It's not the same thing as, as Sally and her pies. No. By any well, her name was Martha, imagine. but thanks for, thanks for paying attention. <laughs> I did get the number of episodes where I mentioned Ryan Reynolds back over 50% just now, though. So I'm really pumped about that. <laughs> you have stats on this? <laughs> I just, you know, I keep track of some stuff. A little notebook. Oh, wow. Do I have any stats? No, I'm just tracking mine. Oh, okay. I just carve cool. a notch in my desk every time I mention Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> Notches. <laughs> Shouts to my community fans, if you're still listening. <sighs> so... No, I, I, yep. I get the idea of the the socialist utopia, the, the universal basic income. I think some of the universal basic income, at least from what I I don't know anything about it, but when it's been soundbited at me on Twitter or from a a very liberal very liberal presidential candidate, it was to cover like just basics. So you like people oh, would sure. still have jobs in these scenarios. Capitalism would still exist. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Where it's like, hey, no, we're going to give you uh, $1,000 a month for necessaries. Like, you don't need to worry about whether or not you're going to have toilet paper. You don't need to worry about whether or not you can pay your utility bill. We're going to cover that. And then everything past that. So, like, it it does free people up. It's kind of – it dovetails into the Mark Cuban comment where it's like, hey, cover your basics so you can be creative. The universal basic income takes the the place of the – Nine to five job. Yes. And like Mark Cuban's advice feeds into like hustle culture where you need to be working constantly. Like it's this 24-7 work cycle where the only way to make money is to work 20-hour days and sleep for four hours and wake up and take ice cold showers to get your body going and drink a spinach smoothie and run five miles. And then like a lot of hustle culture builds this idea that you're going to build your perfect body and be perfectly healthy and constantly be thinking of amazing ideas while you have another job. And it's, it's exhausting to even think about. And I feel like it has a lot of, yeah, I hate all of that. A lot of highs and lows, but I do, uh, not to be the capitalist shill, but I did, uh, when I had a business, I did enjoy the competitive elements of it. I liked making something good that people wanted to pay for. There is something gratifying about that like yeah this is the best pizza in this city at this restaurant that me and my brother started it is a really fun feeling to get get recognition for something that you built and for people to like it and to give you money for it there's just a sense of accomplishment 
I, I know that there's a lot of pitfalls along the way and most restaurants fail and there's a lot of reasons not to do a lot of things, but that was one of the building it and iteratively improving it, like writing the menu and then rewriting the menu and figuring out what worked and what didn't and figuring out how to build all the different menu items and how much food costs were like, I, I like uh, going back to the e-myth. I enjoyed a lot of the nitty gritty stuff. Like you said, cool. uh, when we were talking about video games, I just like watching numbers go up when you're doing it on the restaurant side, you're like, how do we make this? So like, it's still good, but profitable. Like you can't just take all the meat off of pizza. That'd be a really easy way to make really profitable <laughs> pizza. But we're in Nebraska. People want pepperoni and bacon and steak. And they want all these things on their pizza. So you have to figure out, you have to portion control it, but still have a really good product. So you're constantly fighting between really, really paring everything down because you want it to be as profitable as possible and really paring it up because you really want it to be like the best pizza that you've ever had in your whole life. It's like figuring that out with spreadsheets and looking at food costs and figuring out how to make everything work and balance out this equation was when it works, it's really gratifying. And when it doesn't, it feels terrible. Like when you think you might not be able to pay rent on a 5,000 square foot building, it's, oh God, it's terrifying. When you're not going to make payroll or something, it's, it's the worst feeling in the world, but that's the ride, you know, that's the, that's the adventure. But did, did you, Tim, did you say we haven't got around to your dream job? Is it actually fizzy water sommelier? Cause that fills that fills the request or that fills the the um that ticks a couple boxes no, as far I, as being I would unique. Like to, I would like to be a writer. I would like to do something creative. So when I saw uh, in the Google Doc here that you wanted to be Seth Rogen slash Jack Black, a lot of what Seth Rogen does besides sell weed to people now, uh, it, he's on the producer side of a lot of projects. Like he did Preacher, uh, the show where he's like he's not directing it. And I don't think he's writing it, but I think he's in the room yes. kind of guiding it. He's like a, a little mini awesome. stoner Kevin Feige where he's like guiding these projects that he believes in and their comic book adaptations. Like the the boys on Amazon. I think that was Seth Rogen helped produce the boys. And so like yeah. he's he really is kind of like a, a mini stoner Kevin Feige. I'm going to stick with that because he's shepherding these projects from comic book to screen and he's really dialing into the sensibilities that's going to make them a hit. It's like being able to talk to people about what is going to make a good show or a good movie because of the emotional connection it's going to have with its audience. And then if it's a project I really love, like being able to dive in and help write it and help direct it and help bring it all the way way to the end. I feel like Andy Samberg does that a lot where like he's – well, first of all, it's kind of fun because he's got his day job. He's a sitcom star and that he's paying his bills and that's going to be in syndication and on streaming forever. So he really has – teed up the first let's let's pay all your bills part first and he yeah. has his side projects the lonely island isn't really a side project because it makes millions of dollars also with all the albums don't, i don't think annie samberg is in the same boat as we are as far as worrying about things <laughs> no not at all but like he's <laughs> uh what i was trying to say is like he has a main project but then he also oh, sure. like he's producing all these other things where hey the this could be a fun movie for hbo this will be a fun album and i'm a sitcom star and like once he is freed from the any kind of day-to-day -day grind it's just looking for projects and i remember uh i read an interview with him on uh palm springs the really hilarious time loop rom-com that's on hulu which everyone should watch uh and it was just like yeah he's just looking at scripts and like he knew he wanted to produce it but then didn't know if he wanted to be in it and help with it because then it's like a two-year commitment to like do the movie, shoot the movie, edit the movie, all these things. And so, but he knew he was going to make it. The question was like, how much of himself was he putting into it? And was he going to actually star in it? 
And then he fell in love with the script so much that he's like, yes, I am. But like the idea that he could be involved and help make it. And then if he wanted to dive all the way in, that kind of creative control of his life and to be able to pick and choose projects, that's, that's probably what a lot of people that's, want, yeah, that's what I, that's what I mean is like, I want the, like those people are doing these huge entrepreneurial projects, but they're doing these things on their terms and they're not, yeah. they, they don't have to worry about being able to be success or at least they don't have to worry about them failing and then being ruined. I guess I should say they could, they could fail. They probably will be successful just because of the fame they have are at least more successful than anybody else starting the similar business. <laughs> But they don't have to worry about anything and they can do things. That's that's what I would like. One well, actor is a special case because like they get paid whether yeah. the movie's good or not. Like, nope, you got five million. The movie was terrible, but we already <laughs> we already paid you. So Yeah, like you said, like you're not gonna be ruined financially. Like, I remember like really, really worrying about a lot of financial things. And that's that's like the dark side of entrepreneurial culture is like yeah, you're putting yourself on the line. And if you can't pay your staff for work they've already done, like now you're like just morally that feels wrong. Like I, the idea that you wouldn't be able to, but like, you know, if if the food's not selling to go back to the restaurant thing, like at a certain point, there's nothing anyone can do and everything, it just falls over and and caves in on itself, which a lot of people dealt with in the, in the last year and a half. And I'm glad that we've got the programs that are helping prop up the restaurant industry and then all the industries that are hurting, but my God, like my just reading about it, like how many restaurants had to close and businesses that didn't come back or haven't come back yet anyway. It's if you've ever run a business, I think reading those articles hits a lot harder. You know what I mean? Like where you can feel that pain of losing your business and not being able to pay your staff. And ah, God. Yeah. That part of does. starting a business is just awful and sucks. There's no way around that. But no, I wouldn't. I, I, I couldn't do it. I wouldn't do it. It just sounds horrible <laughs> i used to but i used to think i wanted to do it when i was younger because that's one of the things they say makes a successful person is like being a doctor or starting a business and there you go not, not, not necessarily true um yeah. you can be and that doesn't even if you were really rich you might not be happy at either of those things as we've discussed well i did i tried a lawyer and starting a business and now i just i'm in pajama pants doing a podcast with you and i'm a stay-at-home parent so you know Life's full of surprises. Hey, to bring it all the way back though, I think that's the other thing that the is problem with the what do you want to be when you grow up? Is that it because it it makes one career a goal and doesn't take into account any of the moves and turns that life is gonna throw at you. We're like, hey, what you want to do if it's geographically relevant where you are, but your family doesn't want to go there, like you're gonna have huge problems and sacrifices to to think of like, hey, maybe you're not going to pursue that career path because you're going to live in a different state. Like a lot of like to use movies as an example, like I'm not going to go to California or New York. I'm going to like if you wanted to write a screenplay. Yeah, you're not going to move like nope. a lot of writers go out there because they want to take meetings and be in the business and be around all those people. But like we have a house and kids and things like, like you know what I mean? Like it, yep. it doesn't take into account any of the nuances or that, you know, you're definitely probably going to leave a job or get fired from a job because of things beyond your control. Like maybe that business folds, like we just talked about businesses closing, or maybe like you can't stand the the personal politic issues of an office environment and you just want to get out of it. 
like all the road bumps along the way to getting a dream job or being the thing that you want to be when you grow up. I feel like the question just jumps over all of those. Like you wanting to be yep. Seth Rogen. You just skip to the end. That's cheating. <laughs> like little Billy sure. wants to be an astronaut. You're like, cool, Billy. Cool. Like we're not going to talk about how you have to pass organic chemistry in college to like <laughs> get, get into all these crazy programs and good luck getting the NASA internship without an endorsement from your local senator because you're in the wrong political party and you live in a red state and you're a liberal little shit. So that's not going to work out. But you know, like there's so many weird things and ladders that you have to climb that, that aren't baked into the question. I will say this, and this is an advice warning people, look at Josh and specifically Josh. But uh, if you're not working at a job or a place that, you have to what? call him Listener Josh. Listener Josh. Yes. This is especially for you, possibly. But I think you'll agree with me. Anyway, if you're not at a place that is your dream job, um, don't give 110%. Don't give 100%. Give just a little more than bare minimum, because that's... <laughs> I'm not kidding. Why are you wasting your life giving 110% for these places? When they're gonna, if they're gonna close or shut down or make cut it, cuts, they're not going to see you in that same way. They I might say you're, that you're family, but you're really not uh, part of their family unless yeah, the, you have the, the last the one name of the person. There, like when it, it does feel like a lot of bad managers guilt people into like pay time off is a, a really good example, and people talk about that online a lot, where it's like. It's listed as one of the benefits, but as soon as you try to take it, they're like, how dare you just take P- PTO? How dare you just put put paid time off on the calendar? So, well, I, I earned it. It's one of the benefits. And if I don't use it all up, like I might not get as much next year. Like there's problems with accruing paid time off and not using it that can affect people. So I'm, I'm using it. But it, it always creates this like, well, who's going to cover your desk? And like, you better have this done. And it creates a lot of weird issues where... They say that you have all these benefits, but using every single benefit that your job affords you, all of a sudden, you get labeled as an entitled person just because yeah. you are trying to use everything that they gave you. Like you said, like they, they'll fire you and walk away without a second thought. Like, hey, so-and-so is not working out. Like, we'll get them out of here. But then you have the sense of commitment. I think it's not really a sense of commitment. I think we talk about it in terms of commitment, but really it's a sense of fear because a job is a really good thing to have and letting go of a job is a really hard thing to do because there is a sense of certainty that every two weeks a paycheck is going to come. And if you need that paycheck, I think you want to justify your sense of, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but you don't want to just sit around thinking of yourself as someone who's afraid of getting fired. That's not a cool way to think about yourself. So you think of yourself as someone who's committed to their job and you think of yourself as someone who's committed to their company and helping the company be better because all of those thoughts are easier to have than someone who's ah. afraid of losing their job. And so that's the lens you you look at it. Not that that's a bad lens. Maybe you do want your company to do better. Maybe you do want to climb that ladder and be the best employee they've ever seen and get promoted so that you can get more money and then buy more stuff for your kids. Like that's – the first thing I think of anytime we have more money coming in, like, hey, we, uh, my wife got a bonus. I'm like, that's awesome. Maybe Power Wheels. Maybe, <laughs> you know, what I mean? like it's uh, it's like a kid in a candy store. I just want to buy my kids stuff. I, it's not great. For sure. And I have to like rein that that impulse in all the time. Like, it's not no, a I'm, negative emotion to to be 
committed to your job, but I think a lot of it is fear-based and that's exactly detrimental. Yeah. I'm going to tell you, I, part of my mental health thing was I thought I was going to get fired like all the time Yeah. until recently when I decided not to like to make the conscious decision that I'm good at my job. I'm good at, I'm good at my job, right? Yep. They think I'm good at my job. I am good at my job. I don't need to impress anybody, you know? I'm already good at my job. I'm going to do my job when I'm supposed to do my job. I'm going to do what I need to do. And if things interest me that excite me, I'm going to work a little hard on those for me because I want to. But just flip that on yourself. Like, stop being afraid of getting fired because I wasn't even close to getting fired ever. And maybe this is a unique, I mean, it's probably, this depends from person to person. But if you're just putting that on yourself to try and work harder because you're afraid of getting fired and you're not really going to get fired, just like try to, do what you can to get yourself in a place where you realize that you are good at what you do and you don't have to worry about that. And then you can free your mind up for better things in your life. <laughs> That's all I got. And it doesn't feel like a, uh, uh, that you're alone there. That feels like a fairly universal truth. Yes. <laughs> Beg your pardon. No, I think that is kind of what um, in the Newport book. I think you'd love the Newport book. I have a copy. I will get it to you. Bobby Newport Bobby never had Newport. a real job in his life. <laughs> book writer. I'm going to trust a book writer named Bobby Newport. I don't think so. Cal Newport went to MIT. He's a smart dude. Um, MIT. Yeah. Rich, rich parents. Yeah, scholarship. no scholarships. Yeah. There are no scholarships to MIT. It's $40,000 a year when I checked in 2004. Good God. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> The ruling capitalist class arguments notwithstanding, it's a good book. No, but one of his things is like, be so good they can't ignore you. Uh, once you've established yourself, what you were just saying with, hey, I am good at this. And not only am I good at this, I'm probably the best at it. And then turning that into uh, a more fulfilling life. So uh, exactly. one yep. of the anecdotes that he shares in the book is about a computer programmer and she is so good at doing this specific software thing for this company that she's like, Hey, I'm going to train my team how to do this. And it's going to be great. I'm going to work four days a week and I'm taking a 90 day sabbatical in six months. So you have six months to hit me with whatever you want and I'm going to get all the kinks worked out. And then I'm leaving for three months. You're going to continue to pay me because (laughs) on the one day a week I check in with my team, I will still be be working. And because she had developed such a strong hold on this particular thing, she got to wield that power in negotiations where she was like, well, then I'll just leave. I've saved up some money and I'll just, I'll go. And a lot of this is pie in the sky for a lot of people because you, you have to have a nest egg for any of this to work, coming back to the fear of losing your job. If you are afraid of losing your job, like step zero is to get rid of that fear, you're going to have to save money. And that's a whole other Big, big problem if you're living paycheck to paycheck. But that's not really I, today's topic. We'll maybe we'll dive into yeah. that some other time. We've really got into it, but I just want to say, like, you also don't have to be the best at your job to have some of those feelings. Mm-hmm. You just have to be better at your job than the effort it would take to replace you. So think of that. Think of like, am I good enough <laughs> at this job that it's more hassle to f- f- get somebody else in here? That's right. all you have to be. Is that good? And maybe a little better. Don't kill yourself going after stuff that doesn't matter, that doesn't interest you, or you're not going to get or burn yourself out on. That's it. But that's all I had. Again, but 
I don't know. Why am I still talking? The timer went off like 20 minutes ago. So many good thoughts. Oh, I can't even see the timer. I covered it with my notes. You're on your own there following the, the thing. So this is a... Okay. What do you want to be when you grow up? You said this is a bad question for kids, but does that mean it's bad? Like this is bad? What do... Like this, this, I think, this idea? I think it's too specific. So yeah, I think... Okay. Uh, in a shocking turn of events, I'm going to find this career-oriented thing bad. Um, I, I think it's too. I think it's too specific. I think you'd want to talk to kids about what they're interested in, and be there's an honesty factor though, where you you can't just tell them that you can, like you really love karate, and I know that you really love karate, and it's cool that you got your your new belt, but no, like you you can't have a career in karate. Like the odds are against you if that you're going to open a dojo and. I do that as your job. It's like telling kids to follow their passion and follow their bliss. I don't think is great because a lot of times they don't know what their passions or bliss are going to be. Like the idea that those aren't going to change is another big logical fallacy in this whole thing. Like my interests shifted from my teens to my twenties. And again, from my twenties to my thirties, like there is no passion that would have kept all of that together. Yeah, for, or worse for it, the Tim Mom ska band was really something to behold. Uh, um, when Tim was in his twenties, I the world is missing out if, on that. If you sure. find the EP, you know, put it up, uh, put it up on the internets. There were a couple of uh, cassette tapes floating yeah. around there. If you find one, yeah. uh, it's called the Tim Mom Experience. He plays all the instruments and just re-records the different tracks. It's pretty crazy. Well, it was a ska album it was the Tim Mom ska experience. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's been so long and I lost my cassette uh, years ago. Thank God. Well, I had a great time. <laughs> yeah. Hey, thanks for coming over. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, what was your favorite part of the show? Ooh, my favorite part of the show was... Ooh, that's tough. I think it's going to be when we talked about the entrepreneurial parts of career chasing and how you never, ever want to do one. I, I enjoy how different we are in that regard because I really enjoy doing it. It is terrifying, but I did like doing it when I did it. And I always kind of have that, that itch in the back of my head sometimes, but I also think I'll never, ever do it again because I have kids. I don't, and I never did it well when I had children. It's a lot easier to do when you don't have kids. Cause obviously <laughs> makes sense. Yeah. No, but I, I think that just your, your knowledge of yourself, like, nope, that's not a thing I'm going to do. I think that's really positive. Saying no to things is is super healthy, and it helps define the path that you want to be on. And so I, I liked your hard stance on starting a business or being an entrepreneur. You're like, not for me. Pass. Next question. It's good, it's good to know these things about yourself. Well, uh, yeah. What was your favorite part of the show? My favorite part was definitely putting out into the world in a very public way that I do not intend to uh, work, give them 110% of myself at my job unless I want to. So, yeah, is any, that's good. anyone at work listen to the show? A couple people. <laughs> <laughs> they already know. They've seen you. I actually did tell people that I was really happy that I readjusted my work life balance uh, to not worry about work so much. So, hopefully, they took the hint. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And it's just—it's not about. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to repeat myself. But yeah, I, that's I, what I, I repeat think. myself all the time. Go ahead. It's not about slacking off. It's just about <laughs> not killing yourself over things that don't matter. Because <laughs> I think over the past few episodes, we've outlined a lot of ways that potentially a lot of things don't matter, and they either 
some of those things are real and some of those are proven and some of those are just ideas. But a lot of things don't matter and possibly a lot of different ways. And uh, making sure that you work a 60-hour week so that some numbers are accurate or something. I don't know what <laughs> I make. I take photos. So I don't even know what yeah, I'm you pretty far removed from job. business. I'm, I'm pretty far removed from actual business myself and very lucky. But I just think that that's silly. Uh, but I know that, that, and it's silly for me to say because people don't have choice a lot and that sucks. Um, so I guess that was my favorite part of the show. Um, <laughs> I'm just really not into capitalism at the moment. It's good. My it's brain. good to sum up. It's good to to come back to your point and hit it home. Oh, uh, so we, should we do this again, again, or we should definitely do it again? Yeah, yeah. How's like next uh, Wednesday? Ooh, Wednesdays aren't good for me. I have a thing on Wednesdays. How about oh. uh, how about Thursday? Okay, next Thursday it is. This was fun. Hey, this was fun. This has been. Are we sure this is good? With Rob Derland and Tim Malm. You can find us online at AreWeSureThisIsGood.com. If you want to see things we think are good, check out the Are We Sure This Is Good YouTube channel or follow us on Twitter at AWSTIG. Suggestions or questions? Drop us a line at AreWeSureThisIsGood at gmail.com. From all of us here at Malmland, keep those headphones at a reasonable volume, never argue with a drunk, and whenever possible, hug someone you love. It's a wet one for you. Oh. Pass. <laughs> you know when you back away from the microphone, you can still hear me just as well. Oh, God. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Shit. Damn it. <laughs> Definitely put that in the stinger. That's a good stinger right there.